You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, your home for news, views, security stories, technology, and all sorts of other related chit-chat that catches our attention. Hi, Melissa. Hey, Lisa. Guess what? What? We have another boy. We have another boy. When are we going to have some girls? Pretty <laughs> soon, I hope. Boy, yeah, can we you introduce some... yourself? Hello, girls. I'm Simon, and I'm from the <laughs> Essential Apple Podcast. Welcome, and... Simon. Welcome, Simon. And this is going to be episode 357 of the geekiest Essential Apple ever. I love yeah. the title. Apple podcast ever. Yeah. And we do want to make a note for the listeners that this podcast is going to be both in the Geeky Show Ever feed and the Essential Apple podcast feed in about two weeks. So we're recording this two weeks early just because of stuff. We have a crossover, kind of like that time when Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley got together. Mm -hmm. Kind of like that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So we are recording this (laughs) on May 2nd to be released on May 16th or thereabouts. So if anything sounds, yes, just just in case anything sounds a little dated or like, what are you talking about this now? That's why. So, Simon, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. And thank you for having me on the show. It's um, excellent. Melissa's been on, you know, on the Essential Apple before. And uh, at some point, we must get you on, Melissa. You have to come over to our place. (laughs) So, Simon, you have a whole list of things on the uh, on our Google Docs here that you uh, want to talk about. So why don't we start about uh, the virtual event that Apple held last week? Yeah, Is there anything on there that you really liked? Yeah, we um, talk about our feelings about it. Yeah, sure. Um, what do you think? I, I enjoyed the event. I really did enjoy the event a lot. Um, I was pleased and somewhat surprised to see IMAX. Um, I wasn't convinced. I had them on my bingo card, but, uh, you know, down at the bottom is a low chance, a low chance of IMAX. I was surprised that they came out with the M1. Um, I think most of us had been assuming that the IMAX were going to be held back until there was a, you know, a next one up M processor, M1X or whatever. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but this week the rumours are that the M2 is going into production for later in the year. Um, After the event, when I thought about it and I talked to some other people, um, there was, you know, several people said, well, the M1 is generating so much good press. Um, I mean, I know Apple planned these things years ahead, so it's not really like they made a sudden decision. Yeah, they just kind of bring it out and dust it off and here you go. Yeah, oh, well, here you go. Yeah, we just thought we'd slap an M1 in these after all. Right. Um, and all the power users went out and grabbed up all of the M1s, you know, the Mac Minis and the, the MacBook yeah, Pros and the MacBook I, I Airs. Think, um, and they did all these reviews and put them head to head. And so, yeah, it kind of makes yeah, sense that I, I, an iMac that's ready for the masses. I think, yeah, the, the general view, even though some of us were surprised, I was surprised that they came out with the M1. Um, it kind of made sense after we thought about it because they appear to have gone in with the quote unquote 
consumer machines. So you've got the MacBook Air M1, the MacBook Pro M1, uh, which is almost identical to the MacBook Air, to be honest, except you get the touch bar and better speakers. And, um, I think two more ports, I think. I'm the, not sure. The MacBook Air only has one on the other side, I think. And the, no, there's two. The there's two Pro. Because that's what I've got one, and there's two ports, yeah. and they're both on the left-hand side. Oh, two, okay. So two, there's two ports on, them, on the MacBook Air? Yeah, two ports. Two, um, the, the, you know, the MacBook, the 12-inch MacBook was the one that only had one port, which is, uh-huh. is too few because you can't charge it and do right. something else unless you use a dock. Yeah, unless so, you buy all these other peripherals. Yeah. My MacBook Pro, but it's a, two, it's a 2016, but it has four ports, two on the left and two on the right. right yeah. So I thought, that, I thought that had continued through to the, the M1. No, I think Pros. the M1 ones only have two ports, and then people oh. are suggesting. So we've got... Uh-huh. Um, M1 but MacBook the new ones Air, will have more ports. M1 MacBook Pro, M1 Mini, that has four ports, two Thunderbolt, two USB-C, four, I think. Um, the iMacs, the bottom of the range, the cheapest one, only has two ports. Oh, they're reducing the ports on those too. Huh? That only has two ports. If you want the four-port one that they showed in the um, in the event, you need to buy the middle or higher one. Um <laughs> Interesting. But we were thinking, you know, we thought actually that makes sense because they've covered the consumer range with the M1. Mm-hmm. And now the expectation right. is that when they do MacBook Pro, quote unquote Pro, so the the bigger one, the 16 inch and the bigger Mac, because, you know, again, we're expecting that to maybe be 30 or 32 inches, maybe. Oh, really? I don't know. Oh, beyond I, I, 27. Mm. Well, you know, the screens are going that big now. No, yeah. lots of the yeah. lots of the people that I've spoken to, people we've had on the podcast, and what who've gone out and bought M1 Minis, then went out and bought an LG 32 inch screen. You know, four four K or five K 32 inch. Bezels are getting smaller, so yeah. And are they putting it across the room? That's just way too big for me. <laughs> and plus, I don't have I can, the I can room. handle it. <laughs> yeah, I don't have the physical room for something yeah. that large, but I think that would just kill well, my eyes. I mean, Nick, who, well, who make you know, you know. Nick, who's uh, you know our re- a regular co-host with me, has bought a a thirty-two inch, but it's it's like ultra wide, so it's it's uh-huh. not like a thirty-two inch TV. It's thirty-two inches diagonally, but it's it's not right. sixteen by nine. It's I don't know, you know, twenty-five by eight or something. I think Kevin would love that because you know people who do a lot of spreadsheet work like to yeah. have that width. You know? Yeah, and I-, I would love that. You know. Uh, a lot of people obviously have got used to working with two monitors. You have one monitor that you, you look at, and one that you put all your pallets or your email app or whatever on. And Nick's saying, well, I've now That's only got... That's what I do with my MacBook Pro. I have my, my display in the center and I have my MacBook Pro off to the right. And yeah, I keep all the pallets and all the little stuff over there. Exactly. So what Nick's bought is this 32-inch ultra-wide monitor which is in effect the same as having two monitors so he can have two apps side by side and treat it like it's two monitors so it's it's extra wide it's not 16 by 9 giant so it gives him left to right space not so much top to bottom so as he said yeah it's big but it's it's not 32 inch tv big if you understand so you know i don't know whether apple would i mean the 27 inch machine is you know the older 27 inch machine is big but you you know you could go to 30 inches i would have thought because they've you know reduced the bezels they've reduced the size of the chin mm-hmm. they've also reduced the weight of the thing i mean it weighs mm-hmm. the new the new I mean, m1 that, though, nothing. Thinking, there's somebody's going to make a tote bag for it you know <laughs> 
In fact, it, it's actually it's actually a very important consideration, I think, especially for the type of clientele that, that I've been working with. So many of them have a laptop. And the reason why they chose the laptop is because they wanted something that they could, not because they travel. I mean, in some cases, yes, but most of them, not so much. But a lot of times it's because they wanted something that they could carry into the Apple store to get support with. And I know several people who kept the box. In fact, we have one that somebody donated to us that they, and the box was in great condition. They basically used it like a suitcase yeah, because yeah. they would put the iMac, the whole big honking iMac in there and carry it to the Apple store to go get service, to go get training. Like they would take it to the training classes, you know? And so a lot of them are like, this is this is noise. I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. So they would get a MacBook Pro. But then the problem that I've run into a lot is then they let it sit there in their desktop and they basically use it as a desktop. And they're not benefiting from a larger screen by by doing that. And the batteries tend to, to, to swell because it's plugged in all the time. So, for example, like I have a lady who right now I'm thinking about encouraging her because she's got a 10-year-old machine and, you know, it's on borrowed, on borrowed time. And she loves teal. And I'm thinking about getting her, you know, having her get the, the green one because she doesn't take her laptop anywhere. And she would benefit from that bigger 24-inch screen. And I think it would be really lovely for her, you know, and she doesn't need all the ports and everything. And so. it weighs. Yeah. What they say, I forget what they say it weighs, but it... I think I think enough it was... that she could put it in a tote bag, you know, with enough yeah, oh, padding. Yeah. Like I, I'm thinking, there's got to be a market for that. Like every time I see something come out, I think about all of the third party vendors and all the things that can be designed for the product. Where maybe it lacked in ports, other people are going to make other products to plug into that to expand it. And I can envision a tote bag that's, that's designed to put this in that protects the screen, and somebody could, you know, carry it easily yeah. to the Apple Store just like that. <laughs> well, you know, some of us who've been Mac users for a long time, who remembers that the compact there would Apple sold a tote bag for the uh, compact Macs. I had one. I used uh, to have a. I used oh. to have a. Did well, you really? Yeah, I actually had. Um, what I had was a, um, a Prodigy SE, which was a um, an Apple SE with um, a, a, an accelerator board in it, which took it up to SE thirty spec and a bag. Huh. And you used to put the bag and the keyboard and the mouse in there and sling it over your shoulder and lug it wherever you went. And that... yeah, I'm, I'm t not totally off base then, right? I mean, it can happen. <laughs> no. And, okay, and... The, uh, the size, the weight of the 21 and a half inch iMac is just under 10 pounds. Oh, my See? God. I, th I think it was... That I think... as much as my dog. <laughs> I think... I'm not sure if it was Jeff. I think it was Jeff Gamut who said, I looked it up. That's about the same weight as my Pismo notebook back in the day. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I believe well, it. Well. <laughs> and you, you know, you don't think you Simon, said, well, we you... have dogs that size, don't we? Yeah, yeah. I don't, don't know. I mean, yes. My my dog and yours are very similar. Your Opal and my Vinny. Yeah. I mean, mine's a um, Cavalier Poodle cross, and yours is a. Yeah, I think yours is a little, a little bit bigger. Like it's not much bigger thing. though. Yeah, they're dead. Yeah. But they yeah. they look very similar. They're white and fuzzy. We should have put pictures of them side by side. That would be really cute. <laughs> <laughs> purse puppies. Our purse IMAX. <laughs> but yeah, I mean you're yeah, right, Elisa. People, exciting. we've had we've had people um, back in the before times, as uh, Jeff would say, uh, at the Smug. You know, the Suffolk Mac Music Group. There would be people would come to do a presentation, and they would 
arrive with their 27-inch iMac in, in the box. And why not? If you keep the box, it's one of the best ways you're going to transport the damn thing. You know, put it in the boot of the car, carry it into the... embroidered. The... I mean, they make all of these leather accessories for the phones every year. There's always a leather case or something. I really, really think it would be really fun, a very tongue-in-cheek kind of throwback thing for them to make a tote. <laughs> know, about a giant, I, I want an iMac tote. Giant attache case for your 27-inch you iMac. <laughs> <laughs> As long as just don't get the Hermes one, or it will be about... I wanted an iMac attaché. So what about AirTags? Anybody excited about AirTags? AirTags. Well, AirTags... I can't find a use for them. No, it's not something that has a great deal of appeal to me. Um, I... I was pleased to see that Apple pitched them at, a, you know, the kind of market pricing. You know, there's no premium. Uh-huh. There's no premium on the Air Tags themselves. Um, yeah, 30... but the accessories. You know, we're Plus back to get the Hermes. Was has it pronounced Hermes? Hermes, I believe. Yes. Oh, crazy. Hermes. Now the only <clears throat> the only use that I personally have would be trying to find my suitcase when I'm at the airport. Wondering, because, you know, you stand there and you're like, is this mine? Is this mine? Is this mine? Because everybody's suitcase looks the same. But when you put your AirTag onto your suitcase, are you supposed to put it on the outside no. or on the inside? No, you can, you can do what you like. I mean, if, I would if, not want it on the outside. I would think I, it would get damaged. It could come off. If it was me, I would be, you know, if you're talking about putting it in your computer bag, you're putting it in your purse, you're putting it in your travel bag, whatever. No, don't put it on a luggage tag. That's stupid. If somebody wants to steal your bag, they just take off the luggage tag and throw the thing away. No. Yeah, no. I mean, you've got that. Oh, it could yeah, fall off. It could be damaged, as you know. I mean, I've, we've seen the the people taking the suitcases and putting them on. They do not put them on gently. They no. chuck them. Well, you know, let's face it. They've got to shift and, however many bags, and they've got a very limited time. I'm not. I'm not necessarily saying yeah. that they shouldn't take a little bit more care but you know they've been lent on there's 5,000 suitcases here you've got to get them on but in 10 I, yeah, minutes but I can see I can see a tag getting damaged that way yeah. so I would so that's like my, my only use case well, because no, just put it I in the bags things. I'm not it's... someone who loses my pocketbook or loses my keys I'm not I'm just not that person I thought about maybe putting one on my dog like if they made a dog tag but the whole the whole problem with this is that they're not anti-theft they're really just like, oh, where did that thing go? And yes. it would be helpful, like if if Opal, you know, got out or something. Like when when we're, I'm worried about when we go to do the moving process and when we're lots of in and out, in and out. What if she gets out? She doesn't have a lot of wanderlust, so I don't worry about her really going too far. But you know, what if what if she gets packed in one of the boxes? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like there's just times where you know you could misplace something, and that would be kind of handy to have it. Um, the thing that I was really shocked about when they talked about it between the air tags. And the Siri remote was the fact that there wasn't Find My Siri remote enabled. There wasn't no. Find My for oh, the Siri remote. My and on top of that, you might have seen in the in the show notes. I added a I added a link. Um, I I did. I thought maybe we might switch around a little bit if you wanted to use that as a transition to talk about that. <laughs> right, Siri thinks you will be able to add your Apple TV remote to Find My, but as far as I'm aware, they didn't mention it but... unless. They... Unless there's something yeah. going on, but you'd think, wouldn't you? Especially after yeah. they had the whole the whole thing with the guy. Like the guy that dove into the couch. Like it I was, was spelunking like, down his couch. did he find a couch. Siri remote down there? Well, what did he find down there? As he went down, there was a bunch of coins. There was a bunch of pistachios. Right. 
there was yeah. um i think there was an ipod where's the remote <laughs> there was an ipod mini i think there might have been a there may or may not have been a black series remote i think it was um i think it was gazmaz on our show said i should be in apple marketing what you should have found down there amongst all that other stuff was the black Apple Siri remote. And then they could have said, oh, yeah, but the new one has Find My. So it, you, know, if you won't or lose it down the, the couch. Silver one. Like, there should have been an older silver one down there. That would have been really funny. Actually, the thing is, the older silver ones were a lot less hard to lose than the black one. I, I put all of mine, including the black Apple Siri remote, I put them all in a glow-in-the-dark little sleeve, yeah. little silicone sleeve. Silicon sleeve. Which is fine, except that you have to charge the, the, the silicone with light in order for it to really glow. And a lot of times when you lose leave it, it's on the dark window and sill. It has, it's lost its charge. You need to leave it on the windowsill, Melissa. Come on, you live in Tucson. You've got Arizona sunshine. Yeah, we do, except that it murders batteries. I, I, I always say this. Anything with a battery in it, no, you have to keep it out of the sun. <laughs> That's not going to work. <laughs> no, kind of like, you know, single point of failure there. Fail. Yeah. Um. No, the AirTags, I mean, they they seem very good. Apple have worked really hard, particularly about the um the security aspects. You know, the fact that if somebody tries to put a, a tracker in your bag or your pocket or, or something, you know, your yeah, phone... very mindful about it. ...will say, right, I picked up a tracker and it's not registered with this phone and it appears to be moving around with you. Therefore, um, you know, you have a tracker that doesn't appear to belong to you, um, which could be interpreted for one of two reasons. Yeah, you don't want somebody slipping a tracker in your pocket. And secondly, oh, you know... I, have I picked up the wrong bag? <laughs> have I picked up a, you know, an identical hold all to mine and it's not mine? Um, apparently, um, Apple have clarified that that will happen when you get home. Um, so now when you arrive home, it will then tell you that you have a tracker that doesn't belong to you. Um, so not immediately, but it's still, um, that's still good. Um, so that, you know, they seem to have done a lot of work on that, which is nice. But yes, um, as we said on our thing, you know, basic fail Apple, everybody else leaves a loop in it. So you can just put it on your keys or tie it onto something with a cable tie or a string or whatever. But um, no, you've so opted has for... Has anybody tried to... Does anybody have the new Siri remote that they've tried to actually use Find My with it to see if it, if it shows up? I've no... They're not out yet, are they? They're not available yet. Okay. I think you can only just pre-order it. Um, as oh, a... second half of May. I see. So this is all still speculation yet, but hopeful. But you would think if they have got Find My in that, they would have touted it because they could have yeah. like mocked yeah. their own previous one saying, you know, much as we thought it was great, you know, we know you all lose it down the sofa all the time. So what have we done? Oh, the other one was, of course, several people in our Slack said, I'm waiting for the first rubber case for the <laughs> for the Apple TV remote that takes a that takes an air tag. Right. Yeah. That's that was my first thought. I thought if it, I was waiting to hear that, and when they didn't say that there was Find My just automatically built into the Siri remote, I thought. And then when they announced the Apple tags, the Air tags, I was like, yeah, there's going to be a product. There's going to be a sleeve or something that you can stick. Yeah, one I mean, on you can put one on it. But I mean, I'm afraid in the typical Apple manner, I thought I, I like it. I think it's very good. It's not for me. That doesn't mean I can't see it being a big seller. I like the fact they did a, a you know, a four pack for $99, which, you know, competes with pretty much the other people in the market. People like Tracker and Tile and 
and so on. You know um, where it's going to be really great, and if they even sell it for lower bulk pricing, would be in schools. Because mm. I can just, you know, I'm just picturing right now the lost and found at the school. I mean, we haven't been there in over a year, obviously, but uh, when we did go back in the before days, you know, that was one of the biggest issues that I had with my with my oldest kiddo. Both my, my children have ADHD, and the, one of the features of that is just losing stuff all the time. Yeah. And we went through so many water bottles and backpacks and oh, lunch bags yeah, and you know, stuff like um, that. It's like, that's where that kind of, I think that could really come in handy. Like, I mean, and, and water bottles aren't cheap. You know, my you know, daughter. Did your, but did your kids come home with the wrong boots and the wrong <laughs> shoes? Mine oh, yeah. did. Yeah. I don't know how. Like, oh, how do you funny. come home with someone right. else's boots? That's and I'm like, one. work boots. Is or jacket. Thing when my kids were in school. It's oh, like, interesting. How? Yeah. <laughs> um, my daughter describes that. Um, she's only, I think she might be mildly ADHD. Um, she's not diagnosed, but she, she says, oh, we call that out of existence. It's just like you put, oh. your, you put your pen down, right? You can be using something, yeah. literally, your phone. And she goes, you know, right. it's an ADHD thing. You put Last it down thing. on the table and it no longer exists completely. It oh. goes out of your brain. You out have no idea where mind. it's gone. Gone, right? Where did I put my phone? It, it literally just put it down on the table, Joe. You know? Yeah, but the minute well, it leaves his... the best ha- things about the Apple Watch. Yeah. But ding! <laughs> my, husband, my husband uses that feature the most on his Apple oh. Watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was finding his phone. Swipe up and Because once you have the your watch, phone. you're not carrying the phone as much. You set it down more frequently. So, you know... I, I can see a, a big use case scenario for these air tags in schools for tracking things. And I, I, I could just see that, that would be really, really useful. Now, I could, what's the distance, though? I mean, if you leave it at school, are you still going to be? Yeah, I guess you will. You'll be able to find well, it, the, right? The, I mean, whole, the whole idea and one of the reasons that the tile have got the hump is that all previous trackers have had to rely on Bluetooth LE. And this is making use, as long as you've got a new enough phone, it's using both Bluetooth and U1, the white ultra wideband. And the ultra wideband and basically any eye device that comes near that tag will pick up its signal and it's it has a rotating anonymous code, which is what it sends, no identifying information that is then passed on to any device that comes within range and that is then relayed back to Apple and if if it then says and then that is effectively tracked back and relayed back to the user. Apple don't know who the user is. All it knows is this phone saw this tracker in this location. And then that's passed from phone to phone and back to Apple and back to the user. So, it, so in effect, it's a pure network, right? It, it's like a mesh. It's like a mesh network, mm-hmm. in, okay. in effect, to some extent, as I understand it. What if you're in it. a sea of Android devices, though? What if, what if you're, you know, well, you and, do Apple devices to a whole bunch of the, uh, Android all around? The, the Android device devices cannot detect the air tags in that way but if you find if an android user finds an air tag they can use the nfc feature to tap their phone on it and if the user has entered details into the tracker so if if found you know ring melissa on this number or email my lost and found at 33mail.com um something else i'll mention in a second but but um you can enter those details into your tag same as you can name it and do all sorts of other things so they can tap it and get the details to contact you and say i have found your air tag or your bag with your air tag or whatever um which is a nice like when you touch. put your, your iphone into lost mode you can put yeah. a message on it yeah mm-hmm. exactly you can say 
you know so basically if somebody finds it had to do that <laughs> yeah and, and turn it on it will say you know this, this is my iphone please contact me on you know whatever um right. talking about this other phone number that isn't my phone number that's on yeah the but phone. <laughs> um well i would yeah, yeah it's no good putting your own phone number on it is it um right. that's why I, it's good to have a google a google voice number for sure yeah or you know or various others um and this is a bit off topic but talking about talking about safety and and um air tags and and such things one of the things I'm, i i promote quite a lot on my show um is email aliasing services um i use several um they're all free um i use there's a a, a service called sudomail.com which is s u d o mail.com which allows you to create aliases i think the free trial lasts uh, a considerable time and you can have up to about 10 aliases on that but when the free trial ends you can keep two aliases um which is, is good and even then you can change them you can kill one and create another one um i use another one called 33mail.com and i use my favorite is simple login uh io um and i had the developer on my show who talked about it uh, it's a brilliant service allows you to create email aliases on the fly so you know when you want to sign up to a shopping site you you create an alias on the fly and it can be you know melissa's shopping for clothes and then it will add a you know it will be dot some randomly picked dictionary word at and then you have a selection of server names you can choose and uh that no one will ever know that i bought that leather onesie ever ever just be between ever 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 because you can you can use it once and once they've confirmed and your yes your sexy leather onesie arrives you can um (laughs) destroy you can destroy that alias so that you know Naughty leather, you know, naughty leather onesies cannot then ever they won't email get you for more of them. And yeah, they, they cannot, they cannot email things. you anymore ever because thirty-three. Um, pseudo, yeah, no, see, I've got, I get confused because I use all of them so that I can generate loads <laughs> of aliases all the time. Um, pseudo simple thirty-three.org. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's one. Yeah, but that that they're, they're all excellent and they all offer a free layer. And that allows a lot of privacy and a lot of, you know, if you sign up to something and then they start spamming you with mail and you you click, you know, stop emailing me and that doesn't actually make any difference, you can just go, right, well, I signed up with some dodgy site at Not Likely Chum at, you know, simplelogin.co. You can just throw that away and know then they'll just get, you know. So they're disposable email addresses. They're disposable. You could literally make them mm-hmm. on the fly. I mean, they all have a limit on the number you can have running at once, um, and it varies by service. And but the advantage all... of the advantage of this over Apple's built-in system is that they're free. I mean, because you're basically, you know, if you have iCloud and you're paying for it, you're well, basically the... paying for the mail service. Well, when you the... well, that's what I'm thinking because you can make aliases through iCloud. Yes, yeah, you can. That's, that's what I was going for. You can. You can, but the. I think um, you're allowed up to three. Well, simple login allows you, I believe, up to 15 aliases running at any one time for free. Yeah, so the and if you, limit if you, is larger. And if you pay, there are there are options like having your own custom domain and whatnot, and and a whole load of other features. But I just use the 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 free one because I've got things like you know I create emails like just my just my mail readdressed at such and such, or you know I'm buying something off a dodgy site. <laughs> <laughs> whatever i just create these things and then you know if they start emailing me a load of junk i just throw it away and they, they'll do their emails will bounce forevermore and they don't know who i am so there we are 
Sorry, I've, I've derailed it and gone on to a privacy thing. Question about Apple TV before we go on to our next topic. I want to go back a little bit. What are your feelings about Apple putting out more of a stick like a Roku? Do you think there's a market for that? Definitely. All right. The first thing I saw when they said, and now Apple TV, I thought, right, okay. A whole load of people. I, I came up with this idea and I mentioned it on the podcast and I think I mentioned it on Bart's show. Um, I said, what I'd really like to see and I think customers would go for is an Apple TV in a soundbar with HomePod mini quality speakers and maybe a game controller for Apple Arcade and, you know, $200, $250. That, you know, plenty of people are happy, happy to pay that money for a soundbar. And if it got you your Apple TV, your Apple Arcade, good quality sound, that would, I, I think a lot of people, and I've, you know, I've searched around the web, I've seen a lot of podcasters and YouTubers putting this forward as something that they would buy. And what did Apple do? They went, here's the Apple TV, exactly the same as before, except now you can have 60 hertz um, refresh rates and uh, a slightly better remote. And by the way, it's still $200. And I went, dull. It's Big miss. Targeted gamers. Big miss. Sorry, total miss. It's for gamers. Which see, is... I would like. To, I would like to see a stick like a Roku. Yes. Because for me, I do not want storage. I do not play games. I do not buy um, uh, movies or TV shows from the iTunes Store where I want to download it onto the device. I just want to put it in the TV and then just say, okay, now I want to watch Netflix. Now I want to watch Apple TV Plus. Now I want to watch Amazon. Whatever. Just like I do with my Roku. I don't need it to be, uh, what do they call it, a, um, like a... Home uh, hub. Oh, shoot. Yeah, like a home hub. That's the word I was trying to think of. Because I don't do that stuff. So for me, buying an Apple TV is way overkill. So You all want my the TV... Apple TV Air. That's what you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something you like that. You want the Apple TV Air. I just want a 35 to $50 stick that I put into my TV, just like I do with the Roku. Yeah, exactly. That's I'm... all I want. Gonna have the same, you said that you can have the same navigation experience, because it is wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I've had a Roku, and I have an old uh, Amazon Fire. And I, I much, and I know I'm biased, but I much more prefer the Apple TV interface. It's just so much cleaner and it's so much easier to navigate. I, I think it's wonderful. If they had announced it would be great that, if you just had a regular had light version. That, I would have ordered it right away. Mm -hmm. if I mean, it just had, you know, a $50 stick. It would be mine now. It could be that there's not a market for it because they have opened it up to other smart TVs. So you don't need a stick. You just need to yeah, you you... buy a new TV, Elisa. Well, <laughs> yeah, but you well... know, in my experience with a smart TV, it was a nightmare. The TV oh. we have right – is it the TV we have now? I can't remember now if it's the TV we have now or the TV – no, I think it's the TV we have now is a smart TV. It was so bad. I bought a Roku. I bought a Roku. Yeah. Because yep. it just did not work. The smart mm -hmm. TV part of it never worked. You'd My... click a button like for MLB and it would circle, 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 and then it would go, nah, never mind. But maybe if that happens to enough users, maybe they will develop something like an Apple TV Air because I mean... there would be a market for it. But right now, maybe they're thinking there isn't a market because they've said, well, we opened up the API for it, right? I mean, they've they've made the SDK available for TV manufacturers. I, I think that's 
what it what has happened. So more and more EV manufacturers are including it. But like you said, it might not be supported very well because I mean, how do you get support for that? How do you you have to rely on firmware updates and stuff like that? So, you know, it's probably gonna lead to a poor user quality experience, I think. So then maybe, you know, if enough time passes and enough people complain about it, then maybe they but then again, they might not develop it because if people are that frustrated with it, just like you did, you went out and bought a Roku. They're hoping that you'll go out and buy an Apple TV. I know you don't want the whole full thing because you don't need all the other features, but I think that's why they keep the 32 and the 64 gig. So we have the 32 version, you know, all the way back to the version two, but the, pl- the problem that we run into it, which is why I'm, I am excited for a future model, is that the 64 gig is built for gamers. So you mentioned the, the 60, me, you know, quiet. Rate, all that kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff that gamers are after. And you need the bigger hard drive size and you need the beefier processor because as they develop more games for arcade, we ran into that. We ran into like a, a bottleneck. That's why we canceled our Apple, our, um, Apple Arcade subscription because we ran into an issue where we still have the we still have the the four version of four, which is the HD model. So it's I guess two versions back now, which is still it works fine for everything else. But we ended up having to cancel Apple Arcade because the games that the kids wanted to play now are beefier, like they're larger in size, so they take longer to download. They take up more hard drive space. So the best games are like at least a gig, right? And you only have 32 gigs to work with. You've got the operating system and all the other apps that are taking up space. So we ran into that that roadblock of, of just running out of space. I was like, well, what else are we going to delete? Now we're having to, del- to delete stuff. And then at least twice we ran into an issue where, oh, this game looks really good. You know, we looked at the preview, you know, we read all the information about it, went to go download it. And it, and it gave a, me- a message basically saying that your your version of your hardware is too old. You needed to have the, the 4K version in order to play that game. And I thought, well, now how many more times is that going to happen? And um, I, I don't know what they have to do to compete really, except for to land like a, a big name or, or something. But I mean, Nintendo's where it's at for my kids. That, that's when, when they're gaming with their friends, it's, it's, it's got to be Nintendo. They're not gaming with their friends on Apple TV. That, that I can tell you because not enough of the other kids, it's not popular with the cool kids. It just isn't. So, you know, it's just not there for us yet. But I, I have hope that, you know, they'll start developing more and more games as it, as it gets more market share. But yeah, I mean, we're just kind of like, eh, meh. <laughs> we're not ready to really upgrade it just yet until there's something, some real compelling reason to do, to, to do so. And that is going to have to involve Apple Arcade for us. Yeah. And Apple TV is just overkill for me. I'm going to spend $200 just so I can switch stations. Yeah. It's not worth it for me. That's why I just buy Roku's. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. unless you get a better TV that has a better versioning of the app and, and better support to get that firmware update so that you can get the latest version and it's not a nightmare, then yeah, you're probably going to be stuck buying your yeah. Roku's or sticks. If you're listening, Apple, make a stick. I'll buy it. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, Apple TV Air. My <laughs> daughter, um, about two years ago when she moved out, they bought, um, you know, a fairly good quality smart TV. It was about 500 pounds. So, you know, a bit over $500. That's a pretty good TV then, it sounds like. It was a nice TV, but the smart features uh, are rubbish. They are absolutely uh-huh. diabolical. Um, so the hardware was good, the picture quality was good, but the software was the, the smart TV part, you know, you just want to watch the telly. It's great. But when they tried to um, 
use the catch-up features, it was slow, it was laggy, it was buggy, it was just unpleasant. Certain things wouldn't watch. For example, they were trying to watch something and it would have things where it wouldn't let them watch live. It would only watch them, let them watch catch-up. And in the end, I said, for God's sake, just go out and get a Roku box. It's going to cost you 25, 30 quid. And they did. And then all of a sudden, oh, all the features work. And I said, yeah, you get access to Disney Plus and Apple Plus and all the things that you want, which, you know, by the way, either they or I am already paying for. So it's like, you know, get the use of them. Yeah, it's like you're going to spend all that money for something for it to be baked in and then the baked in features fail. It doesn't work. I mean, a lot of times I would log into something and then... And a day later, it would tell me to log in again. It's like, but I logged in yesterday. Yep. And MLB was the worst. And I don't know if it was because of MLB or because of the TV. But like I said, you pick MLB and it wouldn't even show up. I put it as a favorite. Wouldn't show up as a favorite. And I'm like scrolling, scrolling. So I'm like, where the heck is MLB? I'd have to go for a search. Find MLB. And then it would just spin and spin and spin and spin. And not only would it knock you, not knock you back to the home screen, it would knock you completely out of the smart TV section. Like like all that time is wasted. You'll never get that back. (laughs) Yeah. And after a couple of months, I just said, that's it. It's it's not worth it. I am done. I am. I mean, because one of the good things about smart TV is you don't have two plugs that you're plugging into the wall. You only have one, the TV. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't care. I have the outlet space. Not a deal. The the Apple TV experience, if if you get the Apple TV, is just so much better. It's just so much cleaner and it just works. You know, don't don't get me wrong. I have an Apple TV 4, which is the HD, the first one with the Siri remote. Yeah, so that's the same thing as we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have the older Apple TV 3, the previous version. I have that too. I have that in the bedroom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> prioritize. That's got, you know, shifted into the bedroom. But all the other bedrooms, I've got Roku boxes because they provide the functionality that the kids want. They're not interested in all the other stuff. They just they're want... more affordable. You know... I think that's been the biggest can, argument can, with Apple can, TV is the price point. It's, it's too high. They're asking too much for what it is, I think. Especially compared to the competitors, you know? Right, um, right. They really need to come down the price point. So maybe or, the answer is to not make an Apple TV Air, but to just come down the price point. Or, you know, they need to give you more for the money. Chuck in a couple of decent speakers, make a sound bar, chuck in a, you know, if you were talking $300 and it came with... <laughs> a remote that you can find. <laughs> but it came with... Decent speakers in a soundbar format with the TV, you know, Apple TV baked in and a and a controller for the games. And all of a sudden, well, it's... ours has an optical output on the back of it. And I'm not sure what the 4K has, but I imagine it's probably something still the same. You've got HDMI and then you've got optical for your speakers. So I don't know about the speakers. I mean, I think, you, you know, you can find great speakers. You can hook up a pair of bows to them. You know, I don't know that Apple necessarily has to make those. But I, I just... That's the thing. Apple makes like the intermediary a part of it and then all the other third-party vendors, then that's where they get to shine. Yeah, but I just, I just think... Yeah, but... for certainly for people like me and you know amongst the people i've spoken to an awful lot of people have said if it came in a soundbar format with decent speakers mm-hmm. and may, maybe a controller oh i see i would go for uh-huh. that i would i would not balk yeah. at spending 300 quid on that because i know i'm getting good audio quality a decent smart tv experience decent games a controller to play them with 
Yeah, it would be basically an upgrade. You you could basically extend the longevity of an older TV or a not so smart TV and yeah. basically convert it into a smart TV. And yeah, the sound bar would totally upgrade. And we all the know even quite expensive televisions have atrocious speakers yeah. in them ninety nine percent of the time. Yeah. I mean, why TV sure. makers cannot put decent speakers in their TVs? And I do they not know. put the speakers in the back. Yes. Mm. When you're sitting in front of the TV, but the speaker is behind the TV, Mm. like, what are you doing? Yeah, that's messed up. Put the sound toward me. I'm assuming that they work on the principle, a bit like the the iMac and its downward firing speakers, which actually work really well because they bounce off the desk, is that they're going to bounce off your wall. But, of course, most people, you know, you've no idea what people have got on their walls. You know what I mean? Often... Here in England, you may find walls have four or five layers of wallpaper because, you know, a lot of people in this country, you know, yeah, strip the wallpaper off. No, sod it. Just put more wallpaper on the top, you know. (laughs) I can assure you. I plaster and adobe, so. (laughs) Well, you know, a lot of our houses, you know, basically plastered walls and then people stick wallpaper on and then the next person just goes, I can't be bothered to steam all this off. I just stick more wallpaper on the top, you know, as long as it's not (laughs) sort of, you know, Vimeo textured wallpaper if it's just standard thin wallpaper just stick more on the top it doesn't matter more insulation it's insulation and keep you warmer <laughs> yeah i don't you know i don't think they're going to make the soundbar version either i don't think they're going to make the air version and i don't think they're going to make the soundbar version because they have the home pod minis mm. they just rather you buy two home pod minis so that's how you solve that problem in their but, in their eyes i'm sure but what i'm saying is if if i mean what what are the home pod minis 99 dollars a piece so a pair of those is two hundred. That's, that's what I'm saying. The price point has to come down really on on everything. But if you say to make it right, really affordable for the average person, if you say okay, take a slight cut on the price of two HomePod Minis or the guts thereof, take a slight cut on the price of the Apple TV box, chuck in a controller, sell it for three hundred dollars, off the shelves, and you people would rush out and buy enough. them. They really would. You know, dear mm-hmm. Tim, please take note. I would buy, you know, everybody I've spoken to said I would buy that in a heartbeat. And most people I've okay, so spoken here's to a thought. looked at the do new ones think, and just gone, meh. Do you think the price of things are put maybe on purpose higher because of chipset issues or supply chain issues? Do you think there's anything to do with that? I think Apple just love their prices and their margins. And they, mm-hmm. you know. It, it's the it, Apple tax. Yeah, it is the Apple the tax. It's the Apple you tax know. and the prestige of saying, I have an Apple product versus a Roku versus mm. a Fire Stick. Yeah, right. The only problem there yeah. is that only holds up if what they're offering you has a, you know, a, a value proposition. I'm happy to pay the Apple tax to buy an Apple laptop because I know I can probably squeeze mm-hmm. 10 years out of that. Um, You know, whether it's me personally or, you know, seven years for me and then three years for one of my kids, um, I'm happy Mm -hmm. to pay the Mm -hmm. tax on an Apple Watch because I can Mm -hmm. squeeze many years out of it. But Apple's initiatives for, you know, just other, you know, social justices and things like that, I think that I'm happy to pay the Apple tax because they do so much for the environment. They do so much for, for people. So that part of it factors in too, but but yeah, mainly it's a value proposition. I, yeah. I compared to like watching my other family members who have bought cheaper Androids or PCs or something. It's like I, they have their reasons. They they don't like the walled garden. They want to be able to do whatever they want with them. That's fine. That's fine. But then I watch them replace them a lot more frequently. Or, or, so or, or sometimes then you gotta look at the at the cost proposition. If they're they're spending much more overall in the long run. <sighs> 
but again, what I'm spending. So I, I think I it's mean, just better value. The, the thing there is you've got the fact that for some people, they just cannot afford to stretch to Apple's premium price. You know, twelve hundred to fifteen hundred dollars well, for a laptop can be a stretch for a lot a of people. It's a lot of front. So they it buy really a five. A lot of front. That's why you have to save. It's like yeah, but, buying a car. I. It's very they, much like you have to save up. That's what I do. I save my pennies and then I just buy it outright. But it takes me a long time to get a new product. It's yeah. not something that I that I do lightly. But you know. I think for some people, you know, if you if you need a laptop, you need a computer for your kids, whatever, and you can't stretch. You know, your budget won't stretch to an Apple device. You buy a $500 Acer or something. And, yeah, so it only lasts three years. So over the over or two years, you know, over seven to ten years, you pay as much as you would for an Apple device. But right. it's like... Yeah, it's, it's, like it's, it's about the long game for me. Yeah, but as long as you can afford that, as long as you can stretch to that at some point. I mean, I've just bought a new, you know, MacBook Air m1 and it cost me about sixteen hundred dollars which works out at about fifteen hundred pounds uk that's a lot of money for me and you know it was difficult it was difficult for me in some respects to justify that but at the same time my old machine was a 2013 i've handed that off to my son and i know that i will squeeze another seven to ten years out of this machine because by buying an m1 i've kind of future proofed myself Mm-hmm. But plus that's they hold their value. I just I just got a new iPad. Sam's Club had a sale on them, and they were actually cheaper than the educational discount. And I was able to do this because the last iPad that I had, I think I paid, I got it on sale, and it was like two hundred fifty dollars. I had it for about a year, and I was able to sell it for that same price because that's what Apple was offering a trade in for. the The trade in value stayed the same. I didn't lose any money on it, and I ended up selling. Uh, trading in that app, uh, iPad and two other older iPads that still fetched a good price. And then I was able to take the money from that and buy a brand new one with double the, or actually, um, I, I went from a 32 to 128 gig hard drive. And so, which, I mean, again, it's like they held their value and I was able to do that. So which one, which one did you buy, Melissa? Is that the basic? The Just the eight. Yeah, just the basic eight. I don't need the pro and all no, that kind of stuff. No. I've tried to go without an iPad, but I need it for work because I have so many clients who use them and they'll ask me a question. I'm like, hold on, let me go grab my iPad, you know? Yeah. So, and keep but in mind, 32 for, is getting to be small. for people like us, we use our devices to death. Yeah, we do. We're constantly, we're recording, we're editing photography or video or we're drawing or writing or something. We are constantly using. Teaching. We're not the kind of people that buy a computer and then once a week log on to the check email. Right, right. So for us, it is worth the money because we are using the product. Right. Nothing goes to waste in this house at all. <laughs> Everything gets used and loved and, you know, and then passed down. So, yeah, yeah I, that's, I, that's... usually that's that's interesting. That's the first time thinking about it now is the first time I've actually gone through the, the trade in program because um, normally I do pass them down. But this was a case where the trade in values actually went up because I've been watching. Remember, at least I told you, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my gosh, yeah. they went up like 10, 25 dollars. And so I thought, you know, might as well just trade them in. And because they, it got to be the point where the kids just weren't really using the iPad because they have their they're they're happy with their laptops. You know, they're they're happy with what they have. And occasionally the iPad was coming in handy if like the, the Chromebook wasn't logging in. 
or something like that. But by and large, they just weren't really using the iPads that much. So that's why I decided to trade them in and get money for them instead of them just because normally what I'll do then also on top of that is, you know, in addition to us using them really hard and, you know, just working them and getting, you know, squeaking out all of the value out of them is a lot of times I would repurpose them. You know, somebody gave me an old iPhone. It's got a tiny little crack in the corner, but it still works fine. I repurpose that because it's not, it's, it's an old six and, you know, it's just not, uh, you can't put the newest operating system on it, but the camera works just fine. So I use it as a puppy cam, you know, yeah. so you can repurpose these things, you know, they don't have to go into a landfill, but you know, once you can't get any money for them, so you can either let Apple recycle it or you can repurpose it into something else. So I mean, that's, that's why a, I said like nothing goes to waste. I mean, that's a classic reuse of an older phone. Even if you're talking about a six, you know, it's got a good quality camera. Repurpose it as a webcam. Yeah. There are apps you can buy that will turn them into security cams for your house. Yeah. And you know. back before when we were leaving the house, we used many thing and we would just turn it on and point it into the living room. And it has that feature. We not only does it have a good camera, it still has a good microphone and speaker. Mm. And we would leave the house and then we would talk to Opal. Because you know? yeah. anything more than a couple of hours, then she starts getting really, you know, she has major separation anxiety. But then we were able to like talk to her and, you know, calm her down. You know, we'll be home soon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there you go. So have either of you had an experience so far with the app tracking device? Um, so do you mean with the, the new version of uh, 14.5? So mm -hmm. yeah, we were going to get into that. I only just upgraded a, a little while ago. And uh, what does the article talk about? Where So if you go into settings... And this is with 14.5. And then you tap on privacy. Now, in addition to where it says location services, right beneath that is an orange icon and it says tracking. And so we were going to talk about this. We, we wanted to save this for the show. So originally the switch is turned off and it says allow apps to request to track. So why would that be disabled by because, default? Why wouldn't you want that on automatically? Because, it, you know, it doesn't seem very Apple-esque. Usually they have uh, the switches well, turned on so they can discover This it. is a very confusing topic. Mm -hmm. From yeah. what I understand, and, and, and if you know about this, Simon, correct me if I'm wrong. My understanding is if you turn it on, you're telling all apps, do not track me. No. But if you turn it off, they have to ask you permission. No, no, that's exactly. I think it's the other way around. It's the other way around. Okay. Yeah. If you turn you, you if you turn it on, request. it In other says words, don't just uh, do it automatically. Right. If you if you turn it to on, it says allow apps to ask me to track. So then every single app will ask you individually, is it okay for us to track you? So Facebook or Twitter or whatever. If you turn it off, which is why it's off by default, off is no. That's a default no to anything. So any app, if that's turned off, any app that wants to track you gets an automatic no from mm. back from your phone. No, I don't. I so don't. You want to leave it. this off. If if you're not interested in being tracked at all, you just leave it on off. That is no. Don't track me. I'm not right. interested. Go away. Um, I see. If you for some reason feel that there might be some apps that you want to be able to track you for whatever reason, you turn that on. But the trouble with that is every single app that wants to track you will pop up a the first time you use it, we'll pop up a dialogue saying, are you okay with us following you around the web? And the answer to that is no. The, the, I the have, and I have yet 
to have an app do that. Well, Apple you left it off. No, I turned it oh, on. I turned it on. Okay, yeah, so well, we're tinkerers, right? So I wanted to turn it on because I wanted to see which apps would actually do that. Well, I want okay, wait, I'm going to I'm going to flip the switch. It. Twitter didn't do it. Instagram okay. didn't do it. No, Apple have said Why? Because Apple have said it may take, you know, a few weeks for these things to filter through. Uh, um, oh boy. Okay. But basically This is a rollout. I have, yeah, because they've got to get all the the app developers, you know, to agree to it. Um, I read an article today. Which you're starting to see that in the app store. When you go to install yeah, the, a new app or re-download an app, it now gives you what are they're kind of like privacy referring labels, to this as yeah. like a nutrition label. Yeah. <clears throat> I guess it's a privacy label. And it tells you what is going to be tracked or if nothing is going to be tracked. What data they're going to be collecting on you. And, right? Yeah. And, and some of those, you know, if you're going to download an app that hasn't been updated in a while, it lets you know about that. You know, so yeah. you got to be careful looking at when the app is last updated yeah. because it might not be up to spec. So basically, if you don't wish to be tracked, just leave it on off and you won't get asked by any app at all, ever. Because any time it sent, to tries fair, to send you a track, it will be Apple says no. <laughs> End of. To be I fair, mean, it, there is a little um, text link that says learn more. And when you tap that, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it does explain it in more detail. And yeah. I mean, I'm just skipping skimming over it, but I bet if we read that and read it over, it's a long scroll, but you know, it does explain everything that it does. But these toggle switches really confuse most everybody that I encounter. They always yeah, but everything understand. I'm reading about it, nothing has been crystal clear as yeah. to what happens if you turn it on and what happens if you turn it off. So sometimes I read it and I'll go, oh, okay, I'm supposed to keep it on if I want them to ask me to track. And then I'll read yeah. something else and go, oh, I'm supposed to turn it off if I want them to ask me to track. Okay, but yeah. I've done it both ways for a couple of days now and I've yet to have anyone ask me. Mm. Um, See, and I wanted to throw the switch on just because I was curious about, like I envisioned when, when I thought, okay, I'm going to throw that switch on. I envisioned every time I go to open a new app, a, a pop-up is going to appear and ask me about it. And then I envision, oh my God, this is really annoying. Let me just switch it off so they don't get constantly bombarded with those messages. So that's what made me think that leaving it off, you won't get told, you know, you won't get asked because you simply just won't be tracked because that's the way that Apple wants to protect your yeah. privacy in that, the first that place. That is exactly right. But Apple... if you turn it on, yeah, then you can expect to see, you know, pop-ups you... constantly telling you. That's that's why people get really um, worried and incensed. Like a lot of my clients, for example, just to bring this back to, you know, my, my experiences in the field, they always get really, um, it's almost as if, their ears perk up, you know, they don't, they might not be able to pay attention or, or follow something. But when that message comes up that says, um, do you want to allow your location? They get really worried about that. And a lot of people will just by, by default, they will say, no, do not let my location be known because that's like a, that's something very scary mm. that says, you know, I don't want to be stalked. Right. But what they don't realize is that, no, you're not going to be stalked for nefarious purposes. Like for example, the maps app, right. they, They'll say, no, 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 turn it off, turn it off. I'm like, yeah, but if you want to use the maps, you need to turn it you on because it, it needs on. to know your location so it can give you directions. Like, this is a good thing. So it's really difficult to, to frame these tracking things in a positive light that there are times where, you, yes, you do want something to be tracked. Like, I mean, for example, are... Lisa and I, we use Rakuten. We use shopping coupon clipping apps, you know. 
that's tracking in all its finest. I mean, you want to be tracked because you want to be able to save the money on that, but you're making kind of a deal with the devil in a way. Like you're, you're, it's a trade-off. You're trading your privacy for money. You know, you're trading your privacy so that yes, they, they'll see that you bought that leather onesie and then they can track <laughs> you and they can, you know, give you coupons. Hey, Melissa, you bought this leather onesie on this store. Well, here we have this, uh, this, you know, the leather pants. You want these too, you know? Well, yeah. So, and you know, it's, it's a convenience. Is it stalking? Is it, you know, a, what is it? Is it anti-privacy? It's a, what is it really? So yeah, it can get very muddy. It, it, it can get muddy, but for example, um, here in the UK, a lot of supermarkets have loyalty cards, okay? The most famous being um, Tesco's have a thing called the Tesco Club Card. So when you buy your shopping, so you go, you do your grocery shopping, and you scan the card, and they give you uh, one point for every pound you spend. So it's a 1% cash back effect. And every quarter, they will send you uh, they send you a letter saying you spent or you've collected so many points. They didn't tell you how much money it equates to because that's scary. But it's like you you've accumulated X number of points, and each point is worth a penny. So here's I don't know a, a voucher for ten pound off, right? And you can go when you go next go in the store, you give them that voucher and they, they just take it as money and knock it off your bill. Now, obviously, the reason they do that is so they can see what you're buying. Okay, they use that to see what customers buy, what customers don't buy, what sells. Um, they used to, as well as sending you some money back vouchers, used to send you vouchers saying, "Oh, because you bought, I don't know, um, a bottle of scotch. How about you buy a different bottle of scotch? But we'll give you, you know, it currently you got two pound off if you buy a different brand of scotch." Or they've stopped doing that. I don't know if that's because of privacy concerns or GRDP. Now they just send you the cash vouchers. But they still use that to figure out what stuff is selling and what isn't. Um and what they things... do the same yeah, thing the here. Buyer, they the do the same thing here. Do their job. Yeah, I'm sure they do. You know, we see that you're buying Oreo cookies, here's a fifty cent coupon. Yeah. Exactly. Um as I say here, so they... many people get creeped out by that, whereas like sometimes it's kind of a convenience, you know. I don't care. How do you decide when it's a convenience it's a, it, and right... when it's creepy? Well, I think the difference is, and this is something I don't think people always understand. I don't have to have a Tesco's club card, but I choose to have one because I get effectively a one percent cash back by using it. Sure, Tesco's then figure out how often I go into their stores where I go to their stores, what I buy in their stores. And in aggregates, of course, they can figure out what products really are selling, what products are not popular, what products are niche, which they can use to tailor what they keep in stock. They can go, I mean, for example... It's what they, drives the supply chain, really. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, well, and, they, and they reward you for your loyalty. One of the grocery stores here will put on your receipt if you come back between this date and this date. So, say it's March first through April fifteenth, and you spend three hundred dollars, we will give you a twenty-pound turkey or a ham for free for Easter. And they do it again at Christmas, and they yeah. do it again at Thanksgiving. And, and Tesco's so that do that makes as well. You yeah. Customers say, "Okay, I'm going to go to this store, so I don't have to spend twenty dollars." on my thanksgiving turkey exactly right and that's i'm fine with that i don't have a problem with that sure they're recording what i do but i consider that to be a fair deal between me and them where i think tracking gets creepy is if tesco's were also tracking what i bought when i went to asda 
or Sainsbury's or right, right? and this this is the difference mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. I've made a deal with Tesco's. I will let you know what I buy and when I go to the shop and what times I go. I mean, even something as as <laughs> I'll help you do your job. You know, I'll help you. I'll contribute my shopping experiences and my feedback well, so it... that you can make better choices about what to put on the shelves. Yeah, and and also maybe both. about what, don't what go times tracking sh- me outside of other stores. Like, no, this is our relationship here. Yeah, exactly. Know, right? And also, you know, it maybe it helps them decide what are the optimal hours to open a store in my area. Right, if they find from that information that at the or stone if market, store is even needed in your area. Well, yeah, or you know, well, between ten thirty and X amount of time in this store, the amount of money we generate is fractional. Why are we bothering to stay open? We have to employ X number of staff at X, you know, per hour to keep the store open. And we're generating 500 quid. Well, shut the store. Shut the store at 10 o'clock and be done with it. You know, there's no point staying open till midnight. But Facebook and, and a lot of these others, the tracking is... a very personal thing. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know... Like, you know, pregnancy or death, you know, those kinds of things. Like if I'm, uh, if someone's passed away and we were shopping for urns or caskets, you know, I really don't want to be followed around when I'm, you know, on Facebook or some other social media site. I really don't want to see more advertisements for urns and caskets because please, I'm grieving, leave me the hell alone. Speaking of that, that Melissa, there's an article. I was hoping to keep that pregnancy private, you know. Mm -hmm. There's an article that's just, I'm just seeing it now from The Verge and it says, Facebook and Instagram notices in iOS apps tell users tracking helps keep them free of charge. So it says Facebook is continuing its campaign against the privacy updates, saying that this, if you, um, we want you to, to keep keep the ads telling users the information it collects from other apps and websites can help keep Facebook free of charge. So that's going to pop up in the tracking. Uh So they want you to say, oh, okay, you can keep tracking me so that I don't have to pay for Facebook. Uh, Let Mm. me tell you, how many people are actually going to pay for Facebook? If if Facebook said, we're going to charge. That's why they're so worried about it. Of course it is. Because if they they were, you know, if they, they're never going to charge people, right? If they said Facebook is five dollars a month if they said facebook is ten dollars but it doesn't matter probably even if they said it was two dollars a month people would just go go oh, sod that i'm off right there exactly. are a million other I wouldn't give them a penny no, no. right no nope. and this is what i'm saying what is creepy there's a deal i used to use google and i was quite happy with the fact that by using google mail for free that they were kind of aggregating the content of my emails to try and feed me ads I didn't really care about that. We just bypassed it by using a client. Yeah, and but I didn't really care about that. The reason I've never been involved with Facebook is because right from the start, it was clear that they are they are following you around a web. They want to know everything. It's not what you do on Facebook. It's what you do on Twitter. What you do on every website you go to. You know, they're trying to find out, like you said, Melissa, did you go to sexyleatherunderwear.com so that they can send you a load of stuff? Now, you know, if I went to chainmailbikinis.com to buy something for my wife, I don't want Facebook then basically filling my timeline with ads for, are you into kinky medieval underwear? No, I don't. Right? I'm no. A simple girl, Simon. I just like my leather. You're you're She just wants she just wants the now? leather onesie. 
Exactly. But you know what I mean? That's a lacy camisole. But there's all the, there's all this stuff. And like you say, pregnancies. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I saw an article about That's this. like super invasive. Like they can well, actually yeah, I, track your cycle I, and yeah. I, I saw an article by a woman. It was called, I tried to keep my, my pregnancy secret from the internet. This is how I it went. It it's a, yeah, I it's a terrible it. clickbait. This is what happened next kind of headline. But unsurprisingly, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. within minutes, she's getting bombarded with ads for Pampers and, and Cribs. Mm-hmm. And, and well, she's like, the thing I worry about is the targeting of seniors. I, you know, my parents, my clients, I, I see that happen so often where, you know, they just want to go on Instagram. Instagram is the worst offender, by the way, in my opinion, you oh, know, or, um, or Facebook, but mostly it's Instagram because, you know, that's just a, a one strip that you're scrolling through. And even I see it. I mean, the ads are really, really crafty and they're really, really tailored. You know, they're really things that you're interested in. And I'm not saying that they're all scams, but so many of my clients will fall for that kind of stuff, you know, and, and the, oh, yes, I want this cleanse product. I want this juicing product or this new supplement or this new vitamin. And, you know, you just don't know how they could be harmed by that. And then next thing you know, their information is sold from that company to the next company. And, you know, it's just it, it's right for it's right for scams. And, and that's just it breeds complacency is what I'm really getting at. When you allow these things to track without, you know, just with complete abandon, I think it just kind of breeds complacency. And, you know, pretty much after, before you know it, you're being tracked for everything. And then you could be suckered into something without even knowing it. So it's just something to, that's why I wanted to put the switch on because I wanted to, I wanted to see what was actually going to be tracked. I wanted to educate myself on it. I was just really curious about that, but you know, overall, I think, I think especially with things like Facebook, you know, I don't like to even keep the Facebook app installed on my phone. You always hear these stories about like, is Facebook listening to you? Like, you know, do they somehow tap into the microphone? Usually I just kind of dismiss that and I think, oh, that's just conspiracy theory fodder. But then there are times that I'm like, I really think it does listen to me. I really just have to wonder, you know, so I don't like to keep the the app installed. Plus, it just takes up so much room. And, you know, it's just kind of a, a oh, it's a terrible battery hog. But you know, like it's... I wanted to sell some things, you know, we're, we're getting ready to move. And so I wanted to sell some things in a yard sale. And the best way to do that is through Marketplace. So then I had to install the app because you couldn't just, you know, load it on the web. Very they they make it they purposely make it difficult for you to work the the web in, interface and so that you're almost forced into i mean you have to make a choice either either you're going to suffer or you want to be able to get this stuff done efficiently so you're going to have to install the app and it really you know there's not really much of a choice there when it really comes down to it so i i don't know i just think some of their practices are kind of stinky when it comes yeah. to that well it makes me you, you know you said insta you feel instagram is the worst we discussed an article, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, we came across an article which was what different companies track about you and how much... Well, and and Instagram is Facebook. I mean, they own them. Yeah, they are. But actually, Instagram is even worse than Facebook. They are worse. That's what I think, yeah. No, this guy, you know, they've done a thing about who records what and how much of that stuff that they retain do they consider viable to sell to other third parties. Instagram was way worse. Way worse even than Facebook. Me. Way worse even than Facebook. The amount of data that it collects and the percentage of that it considers viable to be, you know, sold on or, you know, 
monetized to other um, companies is way more even than Facebook. I think Facebook came in at about 75% of the data it records about you it considers viable to be sold on. I, I, I can't remember now, but I think the I think the Instagram was somewhere like 89%. And also it made a list of all the things it tracked. And Instagram tracks even more things than Facebook does. Oh, so that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> you know. And, you know, and it's, and it's so irritating, too, because I see all these people, you know, virtue signaling and saying, you know, oh, I quit Facebook and I'm, you know, I'm deleting my Facebook and, you know, I'm out of here or whatever. You know, that's that's great. You know, good for you. I, I've thought about it myself so many times, but it's just one of those things where it really takes hold because then if I quit Facebook, then I can't advertise for my own, you know, small business there. I have several clients who contact me through Facebook. It is the internet for a lot of people. I have so many family members that are on there that I would lose touch with if I quit it. So Face, I really Facebook have a difficult is time kind of the trying new, to extract myself out of it. Facebook is kind of like the new AOL. <laughs> it is. In the, so. For a lot of people, Facebook is the internet. That's all the internet they use. Yep. Pretty much. And in some countries, it, it's, you know, the monopoly there. Mm-hmm. And you and I have talked about this before, Melissa. Facebook, for me, is a good resource for genealogy. Genealogy. Yep, and I've exactly. gotten in touch with family that way. Yep. I have so, two on both sides of my family, yep. my husband's side and my side. I have I have two genealogy groups. So that's that's hard to leave, you know, and they know that and they, they capitalize on that. And that's what's really frustrating about it. You know, it, you know, back in the days of MySpace, you know, my, it used to be MySpace. Remember when it was MySpace? Yep. And remember when we all or started Friendster. saying mm, MySpace is becoming the, the trailer park of the internet, you mm. know, it's, it feels like it's going that way for, for Facebook too. I mean, what, what made everybody abandon ship on, on MySpace? Why did we all leave? I never went on MySpace. Facebook? I never I, used it. So I have no, no idea. I, did you use it, Simon? No, no. It was kind of, I'm of an age where when MySpace came along, it was already for people who were slightly younger than me and new to the internet. Mm-hmm. It was very much a place where people would post their kind of teenage lives and, you know, my playlist mm-hmm. of the songs I'm listening to now and yeah. my drama. Wasn't it with... music? What well, people are doing now on YouTube, they would that's put their, what it their turned music. Into. That's what it turned space. into. My face migrated towards that. It, it started out as just being a personal blog. That's yeah. that's how I got into it. Yeah, it was a micro you know, I had recently thing, become you know. a stay-at-home mom for the most part. And yeah, it was microblogging. That's where I basically started my baby blog. I thought, okay, this is free. You know, this is a place where I wanted to, I mean, back then it was like, who's going to read it? <laughs> you know, I thought of, I never ever thought it was private, of course, but it was like, what was I willing to put on there? And that's how I got started. And I will say there was a lot of um, good things about MySpace. For example, it gave young girls an in to STEM because, you know, I, myself included, I learned a lot about HTML from MySpace because they made it so that you could customize it. And, and yeah. you know, it was really big for young girls. There, there have been some young girls that made a million dollars because what they did was they were entrepreneurs. And they would sell their code for like 99 cents. You know, you could pay a, a young teenage girl 99 cents to to put glitter on your MySpace page or to you know, design it or give you, you know, upgrade your page, you know, make it look really nice. And they were capitalizing on that and making good money from it. And yeah. I, so that I think that was really, really a good thing. Um, but yeah, so then I think what happened was it went in a new direction, I think. I think it went under new management or something. It was bought or something. And it became more of a place for people to 
um, showcase their wares as far as music was, you know, so then it became like a budding um, place for musicians and artists. And well, things MySpace like that. And is that still... was great, but it didn't suit my needs anymore. I mean, MySpace is still going, actually. And mm-hmm. if you go it there is. now, it is very much um, a kind of music oriented thing and basically mm-hmm. budding musicians and bands without a contract mm-hmm. and people who follow right. it was those a really kind of good people. platform to get started on. Yeah. And so and it's it still out there, so but it's become like very much an advantage of you. No, um, mm-hmm. I don't really know. But then why I think Facebook capitalized but... off of the people leaving MySpace and then they were like, hey, we can sell this stuff, you know? Yep. There we go. So, so Elisa, you got well, you got anything else? No, I think it's time that maybe we'll wrap up for today. We could go on and on and on and on, <laughs> but it's been a good discussion on tracking and creepiness and chainmail bikinis, and you know, you got to tune in for that. <laughs> <laughs> tune in for the air tag. Stay for the chainmail bikinis. That's it. Yeah, I don't, maybe it's going to be the essential so, Apple pod, you know, the geekiest essential Apple podcast ever, featuring chainmail bikinis. <laughs> I have to get one of those, um, what's his, um, sort of Fritz Lieber type cover arts to put in the on the show art. <laughs> uh-oh, 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 Simon's wheels are turning. <laughs> I can't wait to see what happens. DeviantArt.com, here we come. <laughs> so, Simon, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it. We had a good time. Oh, yeah. If listeners want to get in touch with you, how would they do so? Uh, well, the easiest way uh, to get hold of me is uh, my Twitter, which is at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Um, and for those who care to know where that name came from, it's the name of my favourite D&D character way back in the day. Um, and uh, I sent Melissa a, a photo of a Hero Forge design miniature uh, of what he actually is supposed to look like but there you go um and of course i'm on the essential apple podcast and uh if you want to listen to that you can find it in all the usual places uh or over at essentialapple.com and we have a slack if you want to join in with all the mad chatter that goes on in there yep melissa and i are there (laughs) indeed Excellent. And thank you thank for having you. me on. And Oh, it was our pleasure. And uh, if you didn't catch that, listeners, uh, all of Simon's information will be in the show notes. And Melissa, how can people get in touch with us? You know, if somebody wants to send you a leather onesie or... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Please send that too. Well, I would start with Twitter so that everybody can, can share in that. I, I really should be careful here, but... <laughs> 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 you can... <laughs> Oh, what the heck. You can go to uh, twitter.com slash uh, at Geekiest Show. That's where you can find us over on Twitter. You can go to our website, of course, uh, geekiestshowever.com. And we'd love to hear from you there by uh, by way of comment. It'd be nice to know if the comment section is working for real people and not spam bots. Of course, now I probably just, all of our spam is going to be all chainmail bikinis and leather onesies. That'll, <laughs> that'll be fun. <laughs> Because, you know, we're being tracked. (laughs) Right, exactly. So uh, you can also email us, go old school, and email us uh, podcast at geekiestshowever.com. Great. Okay. Thank you, listeners, uh, both Geeky Show Ever listeners and Essential Apple Podcast listeners. We appreciate you taking the time to listen. We will, both of, of our podcasts will be back soon. So, again, thank you for listening, and please stay safe. It's a beautiful, hot May afternoon, and I'm sitting outside on the front steps of Nemo's Hardware Store, charging up 
simultaneously my computer, my iPad, and my phone. I'm using a battery from Eggtronic, all one word, E-double-G-T-R-O-N-I-C, E-G-G-T-R-O-N-I-C. Cost is either side of $50 in the U.S., exceptional value for the Eggtronic laptop power bank, model number PB1X2OF, PB peanut butter 1X-ray20F for Frank. Toll-free number in the United States. They have a new retail version of their company called EINOVA.com, E-I-N-O-V-A.com. Now it's called EINOVA by Eggtronic, ultra-fast power bank, 63 watts. Now why is that number so important, 63 watts? Well, you get a little manual, a really nice printed manual in English, great details about how to charge it up, how to use it, and then you pick up the battery, it's about four by seven by a half an inch. It's got a nice water-resistant textured covering. It has three ports on one end and a little hexagonal window that tells you what your charging power is when you're charging it up or when you're using it. There's a little activation switch just to the side of that hexagonal power indicator port. And it comes with a nice long USB-C cable. At one end is USB-C. At the other end is USB-C, and it also comes in the package with a USB-C to standard white flat A adapter. So they've thought of everything. You will actually need to read the instructions to know how to maximize the use of the battery. It tells you right on the box that it comes with that the USB-C port has 45 watt input-output power delivery. Then the port in the middle is 18 watt USB-A output quick charge USB 3.0, then a 5-watt generic standard USB-A output to the left. Sounds complicated, but all you need to know is it has 20,000 mAh laptop power bank, a 3-foot USB-C cable, and one USB-C USB-A adapter, and you can charge several devices at once with a good indicator. It's about the size of a male adult hand fairly substantial, but it's not really heavy. I've been using it to keep my iPad Pro charged up during long Zoom calls, and I've been using it to keep everything else charged up all the time ever since I got it. Strong Nemo's hardware recommendation and incredible value, like I said, somewhere in the 45 to $55 range, depending on where you buy it, and I'm sure Simon will do his best to get the links for UK and international purchases. So go to einova.com, look up the ultra-fast power bank, 63 watts, read all about it, a good description, and when you get the package, you can read all about it. Everything you need to know is on the carton itself. In addition, there is this very thorough, really thorough, multi-page folded manual. So I give this strongest recommendation. I'm going to fill up many, many shelves with this ultra-fast power bank from EI Nova because it's going to sell like crazy at Nemo's Hardware Store. You will be really glad to have one of these babies when you are out and about. I guarantee it. Back next week. (laughs) 
You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say, if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar, where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even, if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Shots and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcasts, and take a listen. My gal pals, Elisa, Susie, and Vicky, the Three Geeky Ladies, told me to remind you that they will release a new podcast each month. So, check them out at 3geekyladies.com or subscribe in iTunes. The Three Geeky Ladies, part of the MyMac Podcasting Network. again another time. Until then, goodbye.